Welcome to another episode of Sideways, The Life of Wine. As you'd expect on a podcast where we discuss wine, movies, book publishing, all sorts of things, there will be some swearing, there will be some cussing, which means we're obviously having discussions which contain adult themes. Hi everyone, hi Yui, welcome to The Life of Wine. My name is Rex Pickett and I'm the author of Sideways and two sequels, Vertical and Sideways 3 Chile. I have a brand new novel out titled The Archivist. We're going to be talking about wine and literature and cinema and culture, art, or anything that just uh, we digress into. We're going to just let it all hang out on this podcast, and we're going to bare our souls, aren't we, Yui? We sure are, Rex. Hi, I'm Yusuf. I'm known as Yui, and I'm going to be the person who is going to interview Rex and extract as much information as we can out of his head about wine. I'm a fanboy. And uh, I've been a fan of Sideways the movie and the books for years, so it's a pleasure for me to uh, work with Rex on this uh, podcast. In my face, my life imploded in disgrace. When I discovered the life of one, I knew it would be mine. The life of one has a mystery. Harvest great. Welcome to episode 11 of Sideways, the Life of Wine podcast. My name's Yusuf Mora. I'm based in Wellington, New Zealand, and I've got Rex with me, who's based in Del Mar, California. Good morning, Rex. How are you today? I'm doing well, You Another sunny day here in Del Mar next to San Diego. Oh, fantastic. Um, you, I think on one of the earlier podcasts, you told me that you only get a handful of days a year where it rains. Is that that's that right? right. We this year we've had nine inches of rain. I don't know what that is in centimeters, but you know you can Google it. Who cares? Because I don't know centimeters uh, either. So nine inches is good. Um, yeah. Nine inches. That's what is that? That's three quarters of the width of an LP. There you go. There you go. We know an yeah. LP is twelve inches wide, right? By twelve by twelve. Okay. Let's um, let's get on to today's topic. And today's topic is Chile and Chilean wine. And um, I'm just gonna just do my little bit as I like to do before I hand over to you. Um, and uh, I remember when I first reached out to you to see whether you'd write your fourth book in New Zealand, um, part of the reason was discovering, um, unbelievably, um, that not only had you written Sideways, the first book, which was um, set in the uh, Santa Inez Valley, just north of LA, but that you'd written a sequel set essentially in... um, in Oregon, although it's a road trip, and your third book, a beautiful read, um, was set in in the vineyards of Chile, and then after getting to know you, discovered that um, Mario had done the same as me. He'd written to you as a fanboy, essentially, and and managed for you to get over to Chile and write your book set in Chile and doing a bit of a road trip. So I'm really excited to hear about that because hopefully that's a uh, that's a positive portent for what might happen in New Zealand um, sometime this year if we're lucky. Um, so please, Rex, take us through the whole Chile and Chilean wine experience. Over well, first of all, a positive portent is an oxymoron. So oh, a, portent, a portent negative. A portent is negative. It's a, an omen of doom. So a positive omen of it's doom. Not, is, it's not an omen. It's an omen of doom. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Right. You can't, okay. I don't. I've never heard of a positive omen of doom, but so that's an oxymoron. Or whatever. Oh. Okay. okay that's right. cool. That's Sorry. cool. You. You know. We. we, well, we all right. A positive sign that we might have the uh, same thing okay. that happen in Chile might happen over here. So over here. A propitious yeah. sign. 
<clears throat> well, you know, in uh, 2012, I, um, a man named Mario Velasco uh, contacted me. I, I, he'll, he would remember, but either was through Facebook or something and or Twitter. And, um, and he just literally, it was a simple question. What do you think about coming down here and maybe writing a sideways, another sideways sequel? And I have the rights to write as many sideways sequels as possible. And up until that point, I, you know, I have a lot of fans and we were doing sideways the play and I was seeing, oh my God, you know, this phenomenon has not gone away. Remember the film was released in the fall of 2004 and here we are today talking sideways. We got sideways musical and wine, whatever. And I said, well, I'm listening, Mario. And so he made me an offer I couldn't refuse, you know, now with the Godfather here. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and next thing you know, I'm on, on a flight with, uh, with a woman friend I was seeing at the time. And, um, and I went to the country because, you know, I said, look, I mean, uh, to write this novel, um, I have to be there. I have to see it, you know, for myself. And, uh, I don't know what's coming. I just know Miles, me, because it's all my books are written in first person from the point of view of, of Miles Raymond, Paul Giamatti in the movie, you know, except for your latest book, which is written as a well, female, correct? Well, the latest book is the totally... Archivist. Di- yeah, The yeah. Archivist is yeah. written in both third person and first person. It's a novel, not yeah. whatever. Yeah. But cool. it's different different characters, women characters. Yeah, but for but sideways... But Miles Raymond yeah, is always written yeah. in first person, and most of my yeah. stuff usually is. And yeah. so I went down there to discover it, and I was uh, basically... It was, I was funded by... Uh, my benefactors were Wines of Chile, so it's a huge organization. And... Uh, as soon as I got down there, it was a little bit of a bait and switch. Uh, Mario will get a laugh out of this, but um, if he's listening, um, you know, I was suddenly um, doing, uh, you know, uh, promotional events. Um, I was doing uh, uh, Fiat commercials, holding up glasses of wine, and I realized that they, you know, had uh, a little bit of influence peddling went on to get me down there. Let's put it that way. Uh, I, these big wineries. So to uh, pay for the amount that they paid you, they yeah. made arrangements with Fiat, for example, for you to do an ad for Fiat. Yeah, in order to, and that's fine. I just, I just mm. didn't know I'm, about I'm it. Taking, I'm taking notes. I've got I, some ideas going Well, on. I mean, that, it, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind that as long as I know it, but it was just kind of hit with that. And then, you know, I was going to this this radio station and everything. And Wines of Chile, of course, wanted to promote the fact. And that's when I realized I was a celebrity. Next thing you know, I'm somewhere deep in the south of Chile and I'm on the cover of a magazine, you know? And, uh, and but anyway, so things sorted themselves out after a week and I needed to get, I needed to find the story. And the story is not with these big corporate wineries who who funnel it. And it was, you know, I, I kept saying to them, um, you know, what's going to be great is, is, is if, uh, if, you know, I write a book about Chile and Chilean wine from Miles's perspective, it will be good for all wineries, big and small and medium. And so actually I just interviewed the other day, one, one, a thing that really changed my life in Chile was meeting Maria Marine at, at Casa Marine or Vina Casa Marine and her son Felipe. And I'm doing an article on them. And, uh, and I spent three days at their place and she, she, has vineyards extremely close to in a very, very cold ocean. And I mean, she is a real pioneer down there. Um, and and then I, I suddenly started to see the real Chile and that the book started to evolve out of my, and I was there for three months traveling. Wow. So, so Chile is topographically the most diverse country in the world, wine region. Okay. Pa- pause that for a second. I just wanna go back to the start now. So before you got on that plane, what did you know about Chile? What had been any previous knowledge you knew of Chile? Um, what, yeah, what did you know about Chile before you sort of got on that plane? Well, that you know that it ended in an E, not an I. You know, 
that was about, <laughs> yeah. That was about it. And I knew nothing. I mean, maybe I did a little reading. I knew they were bordered by the Andes on one side. They're 3,000 miles long by the Pacific on the other side. And then Patagonia in the south and, and the the driest place on the planet Earth, the Atacama Desert to the north. You know, that's all I okay. really knew. I knew they well, were a wine region. We saw very little, uh, you know, I'm here in California. There's almost no Chilean wine. Even to this day, there's not a lot of Chilean wine in this country. Right. Okay. So I knew that's very I little, I knew to. very little yeah. about Chile. I mean, I did know, want to get into politics, I did know that they democratically elected a socialist president named Salvador Allende in 1970. And the CIA, basically in, in collaboration or conspiracy with you know, wealthy people in Chile, they took him out. He did commit suicide in the presidential palace, but they, I did know that. And then they installed a military dictator in Augusto Pinochet, who ruled without oh. elections for 15 years, which wow. is, you know, and it was a brutal time. Many people were killed or disappeared. They're called the disappeared. In yeah, fact, yeah, I, yeah. Sting, uh, Sting did a song on the Yeah, I, I highly yeah. recommend yeah. seeing um, a wonderful documentary called Nostalgia for the Light. You wouldn't think it's about that because it starts out in the Atacama Desert about astronomy, but it turns into kind of a lament about the disappearance. Okay. It was a horrible period in Chile's history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you knew a bit about Chile. Yeah, so, Poli yeah. the politics, so, yeah. Okay, go for it. So you were about to describe the topography of the country. So back over to you. Well, Santiago is right in the center of 3,000 miles, and it's very narrow. I think it's only 100 miles wide at the most. Sometimes it only gets to 50 miles wide. And, and if you go north out of Santiago, it turns very dry right away. And so there's a couple wine regions right out of Santiago, about three hours, Elqui Valley and uh, Limarí. And they are bizarre. I've never seen wine. It, it's almost like being out in Palm Desert, if anyone knows Southern California, where it's just, it's just dry. There's a, like no foliage or anything, except sometimes in the spring, flowers bloom because of a rain. But it's dry, but they get, um, they have on, you know, Andean, Andean snowmelt aquifers. So they're the, you see these thatches of green vineyards on these steep, rocky desert slopes where there's only three, four inches of rain a year, but they're being um, hydrated by Andean snowmelt, and they're making insane Syrahs out of the soils. As wow. you get as you get down to Santiago, the famous wine region is Maipo, which. And it's Cabernet Sauvignon, and you know what I think about that. It's kind of prosaic yep. and not interesting, and they're famous. But as you go west, you now you get into the great Casablanca Valley, and there's Leda and Loa Barca. Casa Marine, my, oh, my God, one of my favorite wineries in the world, um, is, um, is right there close to the ocean, so right next to Casablanca Valley. That's got to be the greatest. As you go south, it gets more, it gets more lush and wooded. You've got Mali valley which is great you got colchagua and um oh just a number of different regions you go further south they're now growing pinot noir in patagonia because of global warming all right all, all the way to the deep, south all the way down deep, to antarctica oh, yeah. it's deep south and that's where um a whole bunch of i think uh, welsh settlers via australia there's a whole place in the south of chile that is yeah. is all germans you think you're yeah. in a, in a yeah. you think you're in a town in, yeah. in germany you know yeah so so um so for you, you 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 roll up in santiago and you're given a car is that correct you were in santiago um, yeah yeah a car so, that I didn't, mean, how, didn't fit all our luggage so no, to, that's right there were a yeah. series there were a series of cars so in the novel i just i had yeah. miles drive the car off the cliff you know but yeah. i didn't do that obviously because i probably no. would still be in chile uh behind bars you know <laughs> waiting for a new president to come in <laughs> To get clemency yeah um so 
So after having read the book and waiting now to hear you talk about Chile and Chilean wine, you're going to take us through it. Um, what sort of level of uh, accuracy, <laughs> I don't know what the right word is, how, how true is the story in the book? Um, well, I mean, you know, I went down there and I tried to find the story and, and we talked about this earlier and I don't want to go on about it, but, you know, I think being in Chile kind of politicized me because some of the people in wines of Chile, I'm not going to name them or whatever, they, they are just flat out what, what I call, my term, crypto Pinochet loyalists. They're still loyalists to this, this you know, dictator who, not that they approved of the barbarous treatment of no, people, no, no. whatever, they, they, you know, and then I got into researching and found out that of developed nations, Chile was number one on the CIA's Gini Index of Wealth Inequality. I thought, oh my God, there's real wealth disparity down here. You're going to have a revolution. So I thought, Miles, this was my idea, because I'm traveling with this woman who's a writer in her own right, whatever, yeah, and I'm, yeah. she, I'm using her as a sounding board, and as we're getting more and more, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm having arguments with these crypto Pinochet loyalists, because, you know, obviously... Allende, they thought was bad for the country. Actually, what they didn't realize is the CIA took him out. And the reason the CIA took Allende out had nothing to do with the domino theory of communism now moving, gravitating to America. It was about economics. Chile has the largest copper deposits in the world. Anaconda yeah, yeah. Mining owned those copper mines. And under socialism, they nationalized you know, the industries down there. Yeah, so it was yeah. all about economics. And Nixon famously said, you know, to the CIA about Allende, take them out at the knees. This is, these are documents released now to the public. They're in the public domain. So wow. I, I, it kind of, I'm not a political person. You, yes, I'm left of left and, and everything else. And I, I believe in the transgressive and the profane and, and, and even to some extent the depraved. But I, you know, I, you know, but I'm also, I, I believe in wealth equality, kind of like you. Yeah. you know, we, we believe in a kind yeah. of a humane capitalism, you know, where yeah. there should be incentive, but treat your workers right and have health care, whatever. And Chile yeah. is... Well, the, I certainly believe in compassionate capitalism. And okay, that is, if compassion. you like capitalism, if you like capitalism and you respect it, you want it to last a long time. To do that, you don't want to create growing and growing disparity. Because and most, in the end... And most um, people don't, gonna, and most people don't yeah. know what socialism really is. Socialism is just the first step to communism, which has never been practiced anywhere in the world. You can call it communism. Communism, but it's totalitarianism. Yeah. So they took they took him out at the knees, and I it kind of politicized me. And I thought to myself, my God, there's going to be a revolution in this country. I'm going to have Miles. And it, it's a comic novel, remember? But Miles is going to mobilize the Mapuche Indians, who are some of the most you know disenfranchised down there, yeah. and the working class, the people who work in the vineyards and everything else. And they're going to march on Santiago with placards saying, "No pesos, no pino. No pesos, no pino." And then I got back, and the way my payment schedule worked, you know, I thought, I'm not going to get that last payment. So I kind of wrote a novel with what we call the velvet handcuffs. Okay. I didn't need, I didn't want to offend anybody, but that's the novel I want to write. Now, get, I don't even bring that up because guess what? Five, six years later, they had that revolution. And they, you know, were burning down Valparaiso and Santiago and whatever, and they voted a referendum to change the Constitution. And two weeks ago, they just elected a full-on leftist president, and he won overwhelmingly. I saw, wow. I saw the change. I'm not saying I'm a clairvoyant. Maybe others did too. And I was going to have Miles lead the revolution on Santiago. And then I thought, wait a second, this isn't going to be good for the bank account. No, I, I'm no. not going to say I sold out. Uh, but 
I did. I didn't write the book that I. Well, I, I would say you were being pragmatist, and you probably um, moderated some of that dangerous enthusiasm. That's okay. Probably, okay. Thank you. Um, you, you know what I mean? You. Well, that's yeah. fair, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you probably got dangerously enthusiastic and caught up um, in it because the purpose of that book would have been more about introducing Chilean wine. To well, the, the woman I was with down there, she was really afraid we weren't going to get back. <laughs> you know, you know, in, in, in 1950, you know, they outlawed the Communist Party and Pablo Neruda, the famous poet, had to escape. He had to escape over the Andes on Burl. And, and they actually made a film about this. And then he came God. back and bear, and bear in mind, Salvador Allende, when he was elected, Pablo Neruda, of course, was a devout communist. He made him the ambassador to France and the CIA. We now know this for a fact. Yep. CIA assassinated Pablo Neruda. And I learned yeah. these things, you know, down there. But anyway, yeah. um, you know, so I, I wrote, I wrote, a, I wrote a book that celebrated the beauty of the country, the wonderful yeah. winemakers. I met Movi, the movement of, of, of independent vintners. I don't know the uh, pronunciation in Spanish. They're a kind of a loose confederation of 20 winemakers who are just, you know, really incredible. And um, and, and they're, they're not part of Wines of Chile and they're doing real. There's a lot of... Chile is interesting. It's new in the wine world, and they, there's a lot of money, and they're doing a lot of interesting, radical stuff. I, I, I saw a lot of stuff they were doing was interesting and radical. You said to me, you said to me earlier in one of our conversations that there's a lot of French. Uh, they've imported a lot of French expertise yeah. into Chile. Well, Chile is no stranger um, to bringing people from other countries, importing people. France would never do this. But Italy, excuse me, Chile would, where they bring, there's a lot of French winemaker consultants to wine. You know, they say, look, they know more about wine than we do. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, Maria Marine of Costa Marine, she had, in her early going, she had two consultants. Um, I can't you know, Greg LaFollette and, and, and a woman uh, who were both Americans and brought them down to help her get a start, you know, because they had knowledge. You know why it's kind of the IKEA formula, as I like to say it. The first time you build it, it takes two days, but tomorrow you could do it in one hour. So yeah. it, it's yeah. kind of like why not go to the people who've been doing it for years to get a jump start on things? So they're no stranger to, to bringing people down and consulting with them. But you know, but at the end of the and there's a lot of expats in Chile too. One of the great wineries uh, that I went to, interestingly, was. Um, a Casa del Bosque, and fascinating guy, Grant, uh, Grant Phelps, he is a Kiwi. Oh. He moved, and he's one, of, he's one of the crazy guys down there. He now owns a hotel in Valparaiso. He was one of the great winemakers there, a Kiwi. Another guy, right. yeah, I mean, you, you, there's a lot I'll, of... I'll add that. I'll Derek, add that Moss, my... Derek Mossman, the head of Movi, he's Canadian, you know? All right, okay. So, yeah, and we talked earlier, I think, about how Milton Friedman was brought in by Pinochet to sort of restructure the Chinese, uh, the uh, Chinese, the Chilean economy yeah. because um, of that sort of spirit of bringing in foreigners, I guess. In Right. Um, now, my Spanish uh, isn't great. Uh, Casablanca, I get that. That's White House. Casa Marina is Sea House or Sea Castle or Sea Building. Um, you said Casa Baresco. What was that one you just mentioned a few seconds ago? No, it's, well, first of all, it's Casa Marine. So that's just her name is Maria Marine, you know, is her name. So it's not Marina. And, uh, and, oh, Marine, and, okay. And, and yeah, Casa Blanca is just, you know, whatever. That, that, that's a valley. Casa Marine is a winery. 
and Casa del Bosque. I'm not quite B O S Q U E S. I don't know what it means. It's just the yeah, name of okay, it. Okay, cool. Uh, no, I was just going for the literal um, translations. Casablanca means White House. I'm not talking okay. about Valley or whatever, but right. yeah. Um, and I thought Casa Marina meant Sea House. Okay, no worries. So, um, so what did you think? You arrived there. Uh, what did you think of their wines in situ? Um, uh, does the world need to know more about Chilean wines? Are there some classics that we we need to open our minds up to Chilean wines? And well, I just interviewed uh, Marie Marine and her son Felipe for an article I'm doing for Falstaff International, and uh, and they're just the same uncompromising, amazing people. And uh, and and I was shocked that and I said, "Where are you selling your wines?" They make about sixteen thousand cases. Um, less than a half of 1% in the U.S. So we need to know a lot more about them here. Yeah, you know, we're yeah, yeah. 20% of their wine goes to Denmark, 20% goes to South Korea. I said, wait a second, ha almost half of your wine goes to two countries, Denmark and South Korea. These are world-class wines. And don't take it yeah. from me, she's won many awards and whatever. Go to Denmark and South Korea. That's random. Yeah. That's quite random. Yeah, well, we, we, and okay. it's hard to sell Chilean wines in this country. Easy to sell New Zealand wines, it has a certain yeah. cachet, but Chilean, you know, think about it from the, uh, you know, when you go in the supermarket, you un you unfortunately end up in the international section, and that's that's yeah. the kiss of death for wine. And if you go into a specialty wine store, now the guy's got to bring you over and educate you on Chilean wines when it's easier just to hand you a Napa cab and send you out the door. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. Because um, Chilean wine sort of became popular here possibly six or seven years ago. Um, or maybe not popular, but certainly their recognition and their... Um, did you have anything to do with that? Do you, do you take any of the credit for raising the profile for Chilean wine? Do you think... Is that why they engaged you in the first place, Rex? Was well, it... I mean, I don't think... You know, the book wasn't made into a movie, so I don't think the book was a big bestseller necessarily. So I don't... No, I don't take any credit for that at all. Yeah, okay. I just think as they... Every year they produce more wine. You know, one of their... I think 50% of the entire Chilean um, wine produced goes to China. Wow. Okay, and the rest, as we said, the South uh, and a lot of it is bulk. It, a lot of it is bulk wine that then they re-bottle and put slap Chinese labels on it, and they and they sell it as bulk wine to China. So the but the high end wine like Casamarine and others, they go to where people really want it. I mean, Denmark is big yeah. into white wine. Her Sauvignon Blancs are the finest. They blow away Sancerre. They're the finest Sauvignon Blancs in the world, bar none. I don't care who says otherwise. They just are. And, and, and better Denmark. than the New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs? I'm afraid so, you I'm sorry. Okay, so so when it comes to Sauvignon Blanc, you think the best in the world sit in Chile? In in one winery. Just one winery. One winery. No, no, oh, not okay. not in Chile. One winery. Oh not generally, in one winery. Casa Marina. Okay. She's very Casa close Marina. to the ocean. I'll spare you uh, descriptions of her vineyards and everything. But well, the, why not? Yeah, give us give us a little taste. Well, she's she's two to three miles from an ocean that never gets above sixty Fahrenheit and goes to forty eight Fahrenheit. She, you know, battles cold. They battle frost, whatever. But they have limestone soils, which is rare down there. They also have granite, and that produces very austere wines with tremendous acidity. Acidity. We talked about this in ageability. Acidity that's, allows that's white right. wines to age. She gets even a hint of the sea in her. When you pour a glass of Sauvignon Blanc there, it looks like water. So it, it's being hydrated mm. by Andean snowmelt, which has got so much minerality, where oh, other other hydration is coming just from rain or whatever. No, this is coming from aquifers. And 
and whatever. It's just a very, very, bear in mind wine, if you don't manipulate it, like they're doing it all over the world, um, if you don't manipulate it, you are tasting the vineyard. You are tasting the terroir. And so terroir means the vineyard, the weather, the location. That's it. Simple as that. No interference. And they are no interference winemakers. They're very biodynamic in that way. But their wines are have a floral, perfumey quality, and they have very few Sauvignon Blancs have any ageability at all. Mostly ageability is with red wines, as we talked about. Yeah. And yeah. some Chardonnays from Burgundy, maybe some from, you know, and then, of course, from Piedmont in northern Italy, the great Barolos can age. But we think of ageability, we think of Bordeaux and Burgundy. We don't think of Sauvignon Blancs from Chile as having ageability, but they do. I'm not going to say they'll go 20 years, but they certainly can go 5 to 10. But Sauvignon Blancs mostly made, they're meant to be drunk as soon as you, as young as possible. Wow. Okay. And, um, okay. Well, well, that was really nice. I loved your description of the vineyard. And um, It's was, a beautiful place. Cool. I stayed there for three days on the highest part of the vineyards on steep slopes. She actually it has an incredible story, and I'm going to write it. She bought it 25 years ago. The land had just, it was a eucalyptus forest. No one thought wow. that you could grow and vinify grapes three miles from an ocean that, you know, just, you know, cold. And, um, and, and she pulled out the eucalyptus forest in defiance of the government. But they didn't stop her because they were afraid it would give her publicity, which was kind of funny. And she planted Pinot Noir, which likes a cold ocean, Sauvignon yeah. Blanc, but not Chardonnay. She says she doesn't like Chardonnay, which is funny. And and some Gewürztraminer uh, and uh, some Syrah, whatever. But principally Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Noir are her two signature grapes. And Sauvignon Blanc, her Pinot Noirs are fantastic, but on these very steep roller coastering hills, and I was at the top staying there for three days and, you know, huge Andean condors with, you know, three, four meter wingspans would go by me. I mean, they're bigger than eagles and the biggest birds in the world, these, you know, raptors. And what a what a special place, Yui. And I, and I hope when I come to New Zealand, I'm going to see some special places like that, too. Because, you know, the, the thing that's the beauty about wine is to get off politics and everything else. And, and I saw this in Chile is... It's it's in the, it's in nature. It's in the wild. You know, yep. wine is in a you know, winemaking is an outdoor sport. Yep. It's not like Coca-Cola or Budweiser where it's all no. done indoors with chemicals. Exactly. It all happens outside. Yeah. I remember uh, driving down the uh, Moselle Valley um, uh, between Koblenz and a German town starting with T. I wish I could remember it. Anyway, uh, Triette. Tiest, Tiest, I think. And I couldn't believe how steep the wine was grown. Took, we stopped and looked at some of the vineyards. And Rex, it, it was hard to conceive that anybody physically could stand and actually pluck the grapes. I mean, how yeah. could you do it? it um, and what's amazing about the, and, and the, Rhone, the Rhone Valley um, in... Um, in France also has those really steep slopes, but you're right, Germany has incredibly steep slopes and you get very different characteristics. As you get to the very top, you get very, you get almost no clay in the soils at all. And it's almost all pure limestone. So you get austere wines and that the dirt, the topsoil runs down with rains to the bottom. So at the bottom, you get wines that are fatter and, and, and more voluptuous in some ways. So you get different wines at different parts of the slope, you know, and that's why, 
but you also, what you want with wine, you want great drainage. So on those those rocky hillsides where almost nothing else would grow. Remember, vines like non-arable soils. You want the tap roots to go deep to draw those minerals up, and they're going to go as yeah. deep as they can to survive. Um, yeah. You know, as opposed to say another crop like corn, fertilize it. You don't want the roots to go deep, and you know we don't need to get into you know a big agra here but wine the great no. wines are grown in non-arable soils on those steep hillsides where nothing else would grow it wouldn't even be profitable to grow any other agricultural product there but grapes do well on those steep slopes yeah yeah no that's really really nice yeah okay well look we're gonna we're gonna um round up our podcast but just a couple of things to help the listener firstly um the vineyard that um Rex has focused his discussion on uh, towards the end of the uh, podcast on is Casa Marine, spelled C-A-S-A-M-A-R-I-N. Um, it's on, you can find it on C-A-S-A-M-A-R-I-N dot C-L, um, and it's beautiful. And everything that Rex described, you can see for yourself there. And you can also see a lovely picture of uh, Maria, Maria Luz Marine, um, who was actually called... Um, one of the most powerful women in wine in the world by um, by magazines. So there you but go. you know what? Um, I think she's one of the most, forget woman, she's one of the most powerful, not powerful, brilliant and pioneering winemakers in the world, male or female. Yeah, uh, that's right. And it's the English magazine, The Drinks. I mean, it'd be like saying about Jane, your great Jane Campion, who's going to win every Oscar this year, which we talked about on a previous podcast. It's like saying she's the greatest female filmmaker who ever lived. That's true. She is. Mm -hmm. But she's one of the great filmmakers who ever lived. I mean, I no, I know Rex. I oh, know. Don't, don't give me a hard time. I'm reading it off her website. So she's saying here, <clears throat> she's among the most influential women in the world of wine, according to the English magazine The Drinks Business. No, no, she's but, she's but I get quoting. Your point. I get she's your getting. Point. Uh, yeah. I'm saying quoting. It, it's really. Yeah. It, I'm not saying it's derogating her, but saying, oh, she's yeah. you know. So there's yeah. what hundreds of male winemakers. She's just one of the great winemakers who ever lived. Just full Jane stop. Campion right. is one of the yeah. great film directors who ever lived. Yeah. So period. No, full, full stop. stop. I, I I agree. But you know, um, Rex, I'm going to give you a right of reply now. I said to you, um, I used the word positive portent, and you said to me that portent is definitely a negative word. <clears throat> Am I allowed to sort of push back? Gently with a little uh, bit fine, of assistance. Fine, yeah. I, I like being corrected. Okay. All right. It says here, a sign or warning that a momentous or calamitous event is likely to happen. Okay. And, and so it says here it can be used. Well, not it doesn't say it can be used positively or negatively, but it's saying momentous or calamitous. So... So yeah. I'm it, gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stand by yeah, my well, statement. That it, you so. you you work it, you you work it, but portent here I'll, usually I'll mean, usually means an ominous sign, uh, you know. So, <laughs> all right, fair enough. Um, but it, oh, here's here's a question: Can portent be positive? Um, a portent exists, and of itself, it doesn't belong to another noun in the way importance would be if you substitute the sentence above so it can be used positively so there you go there you go anyway anyway i um i don't want to uh, i don't want to finish up on that note but any last it can be used positively opposite? if you're a negative person oh there you go, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> i can't say anything to that um any last things to say about chile chilean uh wine um, you know i mean positive memories from the trip uh, not nothing but you know positive memories um you know once i broke free of the 
yoke of uh, wines of Chile and, and got out into the world. It's it's an absolutely beautiful country. I mean, and, cool. you know, bear in mind, this country only has 18, 19 million people in it. So it's got a lot of open space. I recommend getting to the Atacama Desert in the north. It's just the stargazing yeah. there is incredible. And then all the way down to Patagonia, you know, where, you know, Antarctica is. So. Fair enough. Okay, because um, um, I know that the uh, Pinot Noir that we're selling uh, under the Sideways brand in the USA is from Chile. Yep. Um, and so I can't wait uh, to get over there and actually taste one of those because because of COVID and because of shipping, we're having problems you and I swapping wine. That's right. So um, I haven't had a chance to drink the Chilean range. You've had a you've been lucky enough to drink the um, Sideways New Zealand range. Yep. And, and, you, and you like both, so that's, that's fantastic. All right, well, thank you very much for your time, Rex. Really enjoyed that discussion on Chile and Chilean wine, and um, we'll see you next time. All right, goodbye, Yui. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Sideways, The Life of Wine. Both Rex and I hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed it so much that you'll share this with your friends and go online and rate this podcast. If you have a question for Rex related to the movie, the books, his latest book, anything to do with wine actually, please drop us a line to wine at 158.co.nz. That's 158.co.nz. See you next time. They want to drink Merlot. We're drinking Merlot. No, if anyone orders Merlot, I'm leaving. I am not drinking any fucking Merlot. No fucking Merlot. No fucking Merlot. No matter how low we go. No fucking Merlot. This podcast is a 158 production.